Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status helps educators at every level take control of student data for increased outcomes and meaningful stakeholder engagement. Find out more at schoolstatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, episode 105, and I'm your host, Nick Ortigo. How cities are convincing voters to pay higher taxes for public preschool, and California teachers pay for their own substitutes during extended sick leave. But is that normal? Stay with us. Class Dismissed is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each week, we cover some of the hottest topics and news in the world of education. Plus, we hear from a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. This week, how can you recharge in the summer break? Hello, everybody. Nick Ortigo here, and I'm joined by teacher extraordinaire, Lissa Pruitt. Lissa, is your summer going by too fast? Yes, it's so fast. I know. <laughs> I can't believe that. I know you have, you know, your big trip with with the senior, right? Mm-hmm. And was that as great as you thought it would be? It was. It was great. Everybody behaved, and it was it was nice. Good. That's that's good to hear that it turned out so positive. Because you know, I would be so nervous with a bunch of eighteen year olds on. Well, you guys were like on some island or something somewhere, right? We were on a, a resort. So nobody it, left the resort. Was it like um, Bachelor in Paradise or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. but I will say the resort did a great job. They had things planned, so that was good. There was there was definitely things, and you knew like, what everything was going to cost. Yes, it was in all advance. inclusive. So yeah. yeah, no, it was you know you're going to be at dinner at this time, and then at this time you're going to go over here to karaoke, and at this time, so I think that helped. And a all lot. the kids followed the rules. Yeah, pretty pretty much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. What's going on in the uh, teachers' lounge this summer? Are people still talking? Well, you know, there's a lot of talk lately about public preschool. It's kind of one of these things that's growing a lot. Um, and especially in the, in states like Seattle, Washington, and Cincinnati, and San Antonio. And, and what's your hot take? Do you feel like the students that you see in elementary school that went to preschool are better prepared? Is it like a given or... Well, it just depends on the preschool, and that's why there's been a little bit of push for it to be kind of a publicly funded situation. So I can speak here from where I live. You can tell, like you really can tell where you can guess where certain students went to preschool based on how well prepared they are for school. Like they, they, some of them can already, you know, name all the letters and sounds and even put sounds together and even read quite a few sight words. And that's because of the preschool that they attended. Um, and then there's some kids that, that don't even know how to sit still for a long enough time or even walk in a line or, or even feel that there's even a sense of an authority figure over them. And you can tell which preschools they went to that right. were just a playful school and that's it. Um, that's a really good so, point. The whole yeah. like, um, like how they know how to behave in a classroom setting. Because, and I, I don't, I won't share like names, of course, but like I know my little girl, um, she went to a daycare that wasn't as strict as the daycare she goes to now. And we've noticed in like these settings that she's she'll sit still now. Because I've she's, noticed actually <laughs> that with yeah. your child too, yeah. which is good. But that's the thing. That's what preschool is for, right. and that that and and some of 
some of kindergarten is for that too, but preschool is heavy on that. Of This is how we act in this place, and this is what we do with this, and this is how we treat others, and and this is what an authority figure is, and this is how we show respect to authority. This is how it works. And if you can get those things down, you can learn so much in life. You can go so far. But if you can't, if you can't handle yourself in those situations, you're never going to be able to learn as, as well as someone that can just maintain self-control. So, um, but I mean, you know, phonemic awareness is really huge at that age. It's a big, big deal. And if you're not having parents that know how to appropriately do it at home, then you need a preschool that knows how to do it. You don't need a preschool that's just letting them play on iPads or that's letting them run outside and play all the time. They're not getting it anywhere. And then they're falling behind. And, you know, we've spoken before about these these third grade reading gate tests. You know, before you know it, that's where they are. Um, it's a little too late. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, public fu- publicly funded preschool so, is a big deal. Yeah, so that's going to take a law, I guess. Like, how do you convince the taxpayers, especially the ones that don't have kids, don't plan to have kids, to fund something like this? Well, it, and that is always going to be hard. And one of the reasons that you want a publicly funded preschool, too, is they mandate class sizes, they mandate quality teachers, and so... So there's a lot of places that are saying, you know what, we need to get rid of these preschools that are in people's homes that are not really mandated in any way. And we need to make sure that to raise our literacy scores as a state, we've got to start younger. We've got to start to where these kids are ready to learn when they come to a true kindergarten school. So some some places, let's see, I can pull it up. Cincinnati voters said yes to higher property taxes because they know that they're going to get a break on a public preschool, they're going to spend less money, obviously, because their child isn't going to be yeah. in true daycare that they're having to pay for. So, but again, you're saying, well, what about people that don't have kids? Yeah, and in so, my opinion, my argument would be, if I I would say that, um, oh, we want to attract businesses, right? So, like high tech companies that are looking for a place. Well, they're going to look for a place that has a good quality of life and offers things like preschool or the value of homes. You know, this is going to be a better right. school system, increase the value of the homes. I don't know if there's any other tricks beyond that, but those are the two that come to my mind. Yeah, it says also San Antonio and Denver voters supported higher sales tax to help fund this and a soda tax. Oh yeah, yeah. I began for that because I I cut my sodas out. that's that's a little selfish of me i know i know just like you and i were talking the other day about how we need another bond issue around our area but there's going to be so many people that vote it down but we really need it yeah i mean and while you're reading that i don't mean to go on a a tangent but um like here we've for years in, in mississippi we've had superintendents that were elected um well that's changing they'll they'll no longer be elected here in the state and I actually think it's a good thing in a way because I think sometimes superintendents would cave to the pressures and the things that they know they really need to do, those tough decisions. And one thing is like trying to push through a bond issue. You know, they need more schools. Well, they may they may know, well, I may not get reelected if I try to increase the t- millage and the taxes to uh, fund our schools. So I'm not going to push that through. But I think by removing that election process, um, the superintendents might um, be a little bit more likely to try and push that through and let the voters actually decide. Yeah. Did you hear about the this one kind of was making the rounds a few weeks ago and we we never really had a chance to discuss it on the show but it was um about the teacher out of uh, California who came down with a cancer diagnosis and it turns out she needed to pay for the substitute her own substitute during the extended leave time 
And what that means is like once she burned through her regular sick days and went right. into, I guess you'd call it, I don't know if it's considered short or long-term yeah. disability at that point. Yes. Um, that's when she'd have to start paying for her sub. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think most of us would be like, that's ridiculous, right? Well, I mean, I guess it's just uh, my thoughts are whatever the policy is, is what it is. I know in our in our district, we're able to donate days when it gets to that point, And we have this year. Like donated to another person? Uh-huh. Okay. So you can go to your you can go to your superintendent and ask for um, permission to be able to donate some days to a colleague that has had an issue like what you're speaking of that has already gone through all of their days and their backup days, and so you can donate days in our district, and so lots of people do, especially teachers that are retiring or that are leaving the district. Yeah. Um, and I mean, so they'll donate some days to try to help out. That's um, generous. And, and I like that. But at the same time, is it equitable? Like, is it, what if you're the the colleague who just really didn't make a lot of friends around school? You just kind of kept your head down and did your job. And, you know, you may not have as many people as willing to, to offer their days. Like, can't the rule just be that you don't, you don't have to pay for the substitute or, or can't they like make the, the, you know, I think from your check, there's usually a little bit coming out for disability. Um, well, I'm sure what's happening is they're docking her pay, which is what happens in, I think, most districts. And that docking of pay is actually what's going to help pay the substitute. So, but I mean, you, it is in your contract that you will be docked in pay if, you, if you're out of days and stuff. Under the California Education Code, teachers get 10 sick days a year, after which they receive 100 days of extended sick leave. It's during that latter period that the cost of the substitute teacher is deducted from the salary. Um, and I, that's, I just don't know, like, to me, it just feels wrong. And But the, the word is, apparently, when NPR ran the story, more and more districts, it, it kind of sounds like you're on the same page. You're like, yep, no, that's the way it is. Like this is, yeah. the, you know, so it sounds like this is pretty common. So it's, it's almost uh, me not being a teacher. It's interesting to me to like, see that a story like this hits, you see outrage surrounding it, whether on social media or wherever, but yet teachers are kind of like, Oh, well, how should it be? Well, I mean, it's hard when that's the way it is and that's how you know it is. And, and I don't know. I mean, I guess my question is, well, what would happen if it was in a different profession? What happened? Well, and say I, I can speak somewhat intelligently to this because I did manage people and I did have people who needed to go on, you know, short and then maybe sometimes even long-term disability. And yeah, you do have a reduced paycheck after a certain amount. And I think for us, where I was, I want to say it was after like 30 days, you burn your sick days, then you get 30 days full pay. And then anything beyond the 30 days is when it does start to be reduced. And, and I guess that is probably to say, you know, we can have somebody else come in. But the only difference is where we were, we didn't put anybody in that place. It was just like somebody was picking up the slack, mm -hmm. um, you know, or doing working double duty. But then I guess you had some overtime cost um, incurred. So I guess that kind of makes sense. So, I mean, maybe that's just the way the where we are right now. Well, it is hard. I've always said this about being a teacher. This is something that is frustrating. You know, if if somebody, let's say, in the medical profession is sick and can't come to work, well, they, they usually you get a call as the patient saying, sorry, we have to cancel your appointment today because he's not he, he's not able to come or whatever. Right. That's true. You but know? the show and, must go on in a school. Right. And so, and even, even if a secretary's out, well, the other secretaries pick up the calls or the calls just wait till the next day or whatever. Um, but with, with schools, it's so hard because if you're, if you're not there, someone has to be there. 
and um, they don't necessarily make it that easy for it to be someone else to be there. And, right. you know, we have children pulled out of our classes all the time to go on trips or to go to the orthodontist or to the doctor or to, you know, to visit a school, um, for, you know, for higher education or whatever. Um, yet we can't miss to take our children to the orthodontist or we can't miss to take ourselves to the doctor right? Um, because it's such an ordeal. And that is something that is hard and i will say my the school district i'm at now is the best one um that I, in all of my experience especially with getting a sub you just call a number and the sub comes yeah you don't um, have to like specifically identify right. one nope and yeah. and the, the, you just call the number and list who you are and where you work and blah 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 but now this there was another school that i worked for that there were no subs you had to ask a parent yeah. to volunteer to come in that's teacher rough. class yeah. and and of course the parents are like no 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 and if you can't get a parent to come then you you either don't leave because you feel so guilted at that point for yeah. even trying to get a sub or um somebody from the office tries to cover your class but you you are made to feel terrible by the end of the whole ordeal that you had to be, be yeah. sick you know right. because there was no good way to go around it um yeah. There was no substitutes, um, and those parents were volunteering. They weren't even being paid, so of course yeah. it's easy to say no. <laughs> I hear you. Well, um, are you ready for the bright idea? <laughs> yeah, I know that was a tough note to end Sorry. on. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> go for it. Our guest in today's bright idea segment is a New York City school teacher and certified life coach who works with educators to dis- decrease stress. Jackie Waldman is also a moderator of the Empowered New York City School Teachers Facebook page. Jackie, welcome to Class Dismissed. Thanks so much, Nick. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, and I'm really excited to have you because I wanted to talk to you about reducing stress. And I feel like we're headed into the summer break and there's an important conversation to be had about that. Like what should teachers be doing during this break to recharge? Well, first they have to recognize that they need to recharge. (laughs) Right. Um, Everyone kind of... It's like they're running a race up until the last second, and then everything stops. And everybody's off to the beach, if you live near the beach, or rushing to. I used to joke that everyone was meeting at the Goodwill store to donate all the stuff that they cleaned up from the closets that they haven't had a chance to clean for the last 10 months or whatever. Um, But really, I find that I feel like the beginning of summer is a great chance to reflect because we're so busy um, that we are not aware of the level of stress that we're imposing upon ourselves and is, that is being imposed upon us. And, and we also don't think about the impact on our health long term. When you say reflect, it's one thing to say it, but, but what do you mean in practice? What, what should somebody okay. do? So the way um, I start what I've done for myself and then um, now I'm doing with others is schools out and I kind of create this mini retreat for myself, not the kind, you know, it's nice to go and have a real retreat, but if it's not feasible, then we can definitely start with a journal. And that's where I assessed what I've done for myself. And now I do with others is we assess for, first of all, what were your big wins for the year? Because everyone seems to have short-term memory on the positives mm-hmm. and long-term memory on the negatives. So um, to keep a list of um, some of the, some of your big wins for the year. But on the other hand, to make a list of what were those stresses. 
and use this summer as a chance to proactively um, proactively anticipate what would happen in the following year and how you can handle things differently. And, and so, so let's let's like let's pick one. Like, what's a common stress that that you would say? I mean, I just work coming home with you, having to, to grade all the time outside of typical work hours. Is that one or what comes to mind for you? That could, that could be a source of stress and, um, that can be a source of stress. The needs of the different, uh, the, the different needs of the students, the, the, the pressures of the, um, the, uh, the administration and the high, uh, and testing and what have you. So those are all different sources of stress. So let's just go with the grading one, the mm-hmm. grading one. So that would be a situation where you'd say to yourself, okay, this has been a long time. This has been a situation for me for a long time. Now I'm going to take a step back and how am I going to handle it differently and how each person would handle it as an individual decision. I might in September get a few students to help me with some simple things where someone else might say, I'll get up early in the morning and get a few things knocked off and someone else might choose something different. So the strategies are really individual because we're all individuals and how we handle things is different. It's probably tempting for teachers in the summertime to three things come to mind that like you start having some free time and, and anyone who's in education probably truly loves education, but rather than taking a break, they're going to either go to conferences because there's a lot of them in the summertime, or maybe they're going to start a blog about education, or um, maybe they're going to consume education podcasts while they're in their off time throughout the summer. Do you think those things like that are bad or and we should stay away from it? Or do you encourage that? I think people should do what's right for them. Because for, for some people, that's what's going to fill them up. And for other people, that's going to be a source of stress. So I think people need to be true to who they are. And, and um, so I, I, I'm an early riser. I'm a ridiculously early riser. So for me, to, uh, for me to do things in the morning is nothing. But for someone else, they say, oh, that's terrible. I can only do them at night. Same thing with summer. Some people say summer is I'm completely avoiding work. I need to just completely de-stress be with my family and do nothing related to school. Other people, their version of de-stressing, their version of the best thing for them might be just to get a little, you know, get some work done to plan for the fall. And that reduces their stress. Someone loves to, has been dreaming of that blog or thinking about that workshop. And that's the right thing for them. That's really a personal decision. But really the main thing is that to use the summer as a time to, be proactive about handling things in the fall in their own, in each person's individual way. What about you personally? I guess how long have you been teaching? Thirty years. Okay, so thirty years. Can you reflect on a time you came back after summer and you felt maybe more recharged than others? And and have you reflected on what you did differently? So, um, for. It's, it's been different because it's, at, at a certain point, my kids were young. Now they're in college. So I don't have to be on top. You know, I, I, I'm spending less time with them because at, in the summer now they're working or, you know, out doing their own things in addition to our time together. But it's not the same as when they were little. But for uh, many summers, I kind of make a list in June of things that will reduce my September stress. And then I work how, kind of break them up. And I've also, 
hired teams to give me assistance. Tell me, to, about, tell me about to, that. Yeah. What do, what do you mean by that? Okay. So um, I run the monitor squad in my school and we have 1400 students in, in our school. And um, so uh, it's uh, fourth and fifth graders who use their lunch period to go work for teachers. So I could have 130 kids working for teachers. So in, in the summer, I might have kids setting up all the passes for that. Um, I also, my, my main job is I teach first and second grade hands-on science. And some of the, some of my systems that I use, I are, I've set up with, I've had, I've hired some teams to help me set them up. And so it's not all on me. I give myself the harder work. The planning is my job, but a lot of the, you know, organizing and things like that, that I certainly can give to a team and boy, are they happy. I bet. And I guess that's cool with the school district, I imagine, right? Yeah, yeah. It depends on what I choose. The- simple, simple things like that. That's my own choice. And delegating is one of the ways to reduce your stress. Since you work with teachers on, on a regular basis and just kind of coping with stress, let us I know we're in the summertime now. We're headed into it, at least for most districts. Um, what do you suggest during the year? What happens when you start hitting that wall during the year? How How do you react to that as a teacher? Breathing. That's where you- <laughs> <laughs> breathing is such a powerful thing. Um, so um, hopefully you don't build up to that point and hopefully you stay connected with what you truly want for yourself. And that's kind of what summer's about and just making that decision in the fall. In addition to being you, the teacher, you want to take care of yourself for your own well-being and for for the other to to be there for the other loved one your other loved ones and to live a high quality of life so you need so i feel like people really need to have a a, a, a clear vision of what they want for themselves just remember the teacher is not their full identity and so once they get to that point so they know I don't want, I need to have meals planned before I go to work, just an example. Um, So I don't have to run out and do this and that. How are they going to set boundaries for themselves in addition? So one of the things I do for myself is I have alarm set for different times during the day, just reminding me to breathe and drink water because those are two big things that teachers don't do. And just by breathing, just by walking outside for two minutes to, to just de-stress when I have either a prep period or a lunch or whatever, then um, the impact of it allows me to come in at a, at a calmer, in a calmer place. You said you've been teaching for, for 30 years. And so I've got to ask you, it, it seems to me that as if over that time, being an educator has become more stressful, but, but what's your take on that? Definitely. And so what happened? How did we get here? Combination of the testing and the con and these the standards constantly being raised and the accountability and the and the mandated programs and things like that. I find to be it just seems like we're moving at faster and faster and faster a pace. And that's really also a societal issue. It's not only in schools. Mm-hmm. Um I find that also I'm extremely concerned about the stress on the children. And I just, and I listened to your podcast um, uh, recently on um, the impact of all of the students having to, you know, to move at the same speed. And 
and the guy's name escapes me. Rich, I forgot his name. Yeah, you're talking about but, the one with the uh, the the early bloomers and the late bloomers, and yes, yeah, yes, yeah. that that might have been episode 99. If anybody wants to catch okay. it, okay, yes, it was that was that was so impactful because that's what I see. I see I see the level of stress in students rising. I see a mental and emotional illness uh, increasing and panic attacks in students and and things like that. Well, obviously, we're doing something wrong. But also the teachers are feeling the impact of, of a constant level of stress and go faster. And, and that, that's kind of, I find it to be, you know, from, from teachers I talk to wherever. Well, and, and so I said at the top of the show that, that you are a moderator or maybe even a creator of the uh, Empowered New York City School Teachers Facebook page. Is this why you, you created such a page to, to have these type of discussions? Yes, exactly. So, um, I've been a life coach since 2016 and I, you know, I've worked with all different kinds of people and ultimately it was watching the stress on teachers, hearing about them from people in different parts of the country. And, and it seemed like, you no, know, we all kind of shared the same issue, but New York city, you know, our, our, um, those are my people. <laughs> so, um, that's where I wanted to start because we have our own, uh, inner city has its own set of struggles. Tell me about that because I don't often have an opportunity to interview somebody who is, I mean, we interview a lot of folks who are in the university system and suburban and rural and just all over the country, but it's not every day we get to interview a teacher who's embedded in a, a very much urban area, tons of people. How is it different in your mind? Or is that all you've known? Well, I've I have taught in New York City for my whole in my entire teaching career. The great part about teaching New York City, let me first say, is we we are right in the middle of all kinds of exciting things hap- near us. So my school is in its location is walking distance to um, to a zoo, a science museum, a baseball stadium, a huge park, all which are within the same, all within a park, I should say. Wow. And so that's one of the amazing things. And having grown up in if, on Long Island in, in suburbia, that was to me just being able to say, oh, we're just going to walk to the zoo is, you know, what's better than that. But on the other hand, um, the struggles that the kids have, um, you know, we have a lot of students for very low social, socioeconomic um backgrounds. And also, you know, we, our class sizes are, are, are fairly large in a lot of cases and our students come with their own challenges, uh, the challenges of, of living in the inner city. And so what are the discussions that you guys are having over at Empowered New York City School Teachers different, you think, than, than what the rest of the country is having? Or are we all kind of experiencing the same things? Well, some things are the same and some are different. Um, I would imagine, you know, we have commonalities with uh, people who are um, teachers who teach in other areas of, you know, impoverished areas. So that, and then um, we have a high ESL population. Most of our, uh, uh, in my school, I would say like uh, 75% are uh, Spanish as their first language. And so that is a that has its own set of struggles as well how you know having the children you know trying to teach the children english at, yeah, as you move them forward with the curriculum i saw on facebook yesterday and i actually even reached out to this teacher um to see if she'd come on the show um i haven't heard back yet but uh, i bring this up because she was a um teacher of the year um out of iowa and she she basically put on facebook late last week that you know She's saying goodbye to her school and she's saying goodbye to education and she goes through and, and lists, I mean, 
a half dozen reasons of why she's getting out of education. And, and I think most teachers probably share a lot of the same frustrations. But, you know, since you deal with teachers who are often probably thinking about getting out of education often, uh, and we hate to see good teachers leave, uh, what would you say? I mean, do you encourage people to say, no, stick with it? You know, th- there's a reason you're doing this? Or or do you say, you know what, maybe you should get out if, if, if there's this much stress on you? Depends on the person. It depends on the person. To me, my personal thing is that I find that, yes, it is stressful. <laughs> no arguing. But my why is the children. And, you know, uh, one of the things that I do to to keep myself grounded in my mission if, uh, as a teacher is to try to connect with the students. And I see hundreds, I have see hundreds of students in my school because I, I, as I mentioned, I'm a science specialist for first and second grade in the in my school, that's several hundred children. And then I run the monitor squad. So I try to stay connected with the children as individuals and try to remember, you know, and, 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 and if I do that, then I can't really lose. Um, I can for me, it, it, that's the thing that holds, keeps me, keeps me going, but for someone else, it might not. You you know you say your why is the children. I'm assuming w- when you say your why, it, I don't know that's become a common term, um, and I think it all relates back to uh, Simon Sinek, who, who I think wrote um, some books. And, and if that's you just, right. If you just uh-huh. Google him or, or look him up on yes, YouTube, I he, know him. Yeah, yes. uh-huh. is, and so I, I, I say that just to say, if anybody is not familiar, when someone says, you know, this is my why. Go on YouTube, type in Simon Sinek, and and listen to his his speech about what's your why. Um, right. And it applies not just to individuals, but to corporations. It's like, why are we doing what we're doing? And it really makes That's you think right. and gives you some focus. Right. So, so right. Some it stuff. definitely gives you focus, yes. Um, well, Jackie Waldman, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about this. I, I think it's a good time of year, you know, going into the summer. Make sure you use that summertime wisely to, yes. uh, to reduce that stress. Um, and if anybody in the New York City area probably wants to, to check out y'all's Facebook page, it's Empowered New York City School Teachers. And I, it's a closed group, but I guess if somebody you know is in the area, they can just kind of send an invite and hop in there, right? Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, well, thank you. Are you ready for our pop quiz? Oh, yeah. All right. First question. If students could only go to school for one subject, which subject should it be? Oh, that was the one I'm having trouble with. Collaboration, um, so anything social emotional. What would you see that in terms of coursework? Like, do you, do you would you put that like into a health class? Like, how in your mind would you teach that? So you know what you can use that use those strategies for a lot of things, I guess. So um, yeah, I find that um, social emotional learning is a big thing that's missing. So that kind of ties into and and stress management. Um, those are, those two things are. Um, are things that I find to be missing. And I think that they need, um, you know, it can be taught through other areas. What are we not teaching in school that we should be teaching? It might be somewhat of the same vein here. Yeah, yeah. Stress management, not enough of that, but also personal finance. I'm giving you two things. What does every child deserve? To be themselves. What's the biggest challenge for today's educators? Getting it all done. What's the best gift for an educator? A nap. A nap. I like that. I think it's the first time we've ever had that that answer. Um, Which teacher changed your life? I had two, fifth and sixth grade teachers who both really, for the first time, I felt like I 
that I knew what it was to love to learn. What was that? Like the way they taught or? The way they taught. They just made everything so much fun. And last question, pen or pencil? I'm holding the pencil right now because I make lots of mistakes and that's what the eraser's for. All right. Again, Jackie Waldman, we appreciate you taking the time and uh, enjoy your summer break and make sure that... Thank you so uh, much. What are you planning? Are you you headed to the beach? Nah. uh, I'm not really a beach person. Gotcha. Reading, relaxing, recharging, spending time with friends. Excellent. And planning for September. All right. Excellent. Thank you again. That's going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. We want to hear from you, so if you want to send us an idea or a comment, remember you can always email us at info at classdismissedpodcast.com. We're here to support educators, but we need your support as well. So if you like what you heard today, please be sure and hit that subscribe button, and we'd also love it if you'd leave us a five-star review. Don't forget you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash classdismissedpodcast or on Twitter to search for us by typing in Class Dismiss. On behalf of Russ with School Status and Lissa representing all the teachers out there, I'm Nick Ward. To go, and I'll talk with you next week. Class dismissed.